0: And communion is one of those services where we recognize the unity of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And I'd rather have a few people here in unity than to have a, a twice as many people here, ten times as many people that are not in harmony with one another because it will hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit. But when they were in one mind and with one accord, having the same judgment and speaking the same thing, the miracles were curry hallelujah for the spirit was not grieved nor was he quenched praise god he was free to move if you have your bible let's read the story from the shepherd's point of view and i want to comment on this just a little bit before we receive communion this morning Uh, it's in uh, luke chapter two verse eight through twenty luke chapter two verse eight through twenty saint luke's gospel beginning with verse 8 of Luke 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, you've heard this before, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped and in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and good will toward men." And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven the shepherds said to one another let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all They that heard it wondered at all those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorified and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Praise God. You know, there's a song that you're going to hear this Christmas season that says, Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that Jesus Christ is born. Amen. And it follows this pattern. You see, this is the good news. This is the crux crux and the centerpiece of the gospel. God's goodwill toward men was shown when He sent His only Son to come and not lay in a manger. This is what really bothers me about so many Christians getting sentimental feelings from the manger scene. Instead of getting revelation... And realization of what really occurred when He showed up. Amen? What it really meant. Some of you get sentimental feelings over certain songs. And listen, there are songs about dogs dying that give me sentimental feelings. I was at the vet's office with my dog and I told him, you know, I can can watch a zombie eat somebody up and hardly be bothered. But if the dog dies, it about bring me to tears. (laughs) I <laughs> saw a big truck the other day, and it said, the more people I meet, the more I love my dog. Amen. <laughs> you love your doggy, don't you? Yeah. And we've met a lot of those people that he was talking about. She's got a on her on her coat today. Amen. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hill and everywhere. Go tell it. Go tell it. Go tell it. Go tell it. Now, I hear the arguments, too. I hear everything to take away from the real significance of Christmas. We celebrate Christmas in December. There is absolutely no big biblical basis for this month being. And that's true. That's true. I agree with that. But some people would rather argue over when to celebrate it than to celebrate it because it really happened. They don't know the significance of it, and they're not trying to find the significance of his birth. They just want to argue over the time of his birth. And I meet those people. In fact, there are people that want to argue over everything. They just have a spirit of argument. They just argue. They love to argue. Amen. They just love to argue. And you know what the Bible said? Avoid foolish and unlearned questions because they just gender strife. Amen. You get, they'll suck you into the argument. And you're not going to win them because they got that old mean and bad spirit. You'll never win them. Amen. I call them concrete Christians. Thoroughly mixed and permanently set. Can you say amen? They're set in their way. They're set in their mindset. They are void of joy. I'll guarantee you that. If you want to, you know, argue every biblical point, you're not going to get the point itself. And some people want to argue over the peripheral things and the things that they ought not be arguing over. I meet with three preachers and have been for five years. One of them is a, a Baptist preacher. Oh, oh. One of them is a, uh, you know something, I've been meeting with him, Kojik, Kojik, Kojik. Church, of God in, Church, of God. Church of God in Christ, and uh, so, yeah, got we, got, we could, pastor, right? you, got you, got bag one, bag you got the new one now? Yes. Kojic, the old one pastor. Well, we got it, see, we all I got, okay, we got the new one. Now you can do anything. The old holiness Kojic is gone. we got the new Kojic now. Amen. Listen to me carefully. We could have wars every time we come together because we all come from a different denominational perspective. But we don't. Because what we disagree on, and as a matter of fact, if I can show it in the Bible, this one... One preacher that I meet with, if I can show him in the Bible, he don't care what his denomination says. He's getting more focused on the Word than he is what his denomination has taught him and their perspective. And if I can show it in the Bible, he accepts it. He said, I don't understand tongues and I don't speak in tongues, but I ain't going to say nothing against tongues because it's in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. It's in the Word. And we talk, but, but we don't meet together to just discuss doctrine. We discuss the harvest field. We discuss what we want to see in our churches is people coming to know Jesus because people that know Jesus have enough of Jesus to lead others to Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. We used to say it this way, shepherds don't bear sheep, sheep bear sheep. Shepherds feed sheep so sheep can bear sheep. Well, I'm going to back up on that and say I'm one of those shepherds that that bear sheep too because I love to win people to the Lord. And when I was in the secular uh, world, for, for not just clergy world, but when I was bivocational for 12 years, I got to win people to Christ on my job. And it was one of the greatest joys of my life because... By and large, I preach to the choir on Sunday morning. Most people in here know Jesus. And the people that don't know Him don't want to know Him. So I'm still preaching to the choir because nobody else is paying any attention. If you don't want to know the Lord, you're not paying any attention. <laughs> you can't wait to get out of here. Amen. I used to squirm in church. I know how you are. Amen. My, my daddy's sick... To, his preacher on us, just after we got married, we were living in a, in, a, in a house without air conditioning, had a screen door, and just had a little latch on the screen, had the fan going, had the TV on. And I heard a car door slam, and I looked out, and there come the preacher. Amen. He had on his preacher tie and his white shirt. And I knew my dad had sent him to try to get us to come to church. And Pamela and I didn't want to deal with no preacher at that time, amen. And we jumped behind the couch and crouched down. And the preacher come and he knocked on the door. And we staying behind that couch because if we come out from behind the couch, it would be pretty embarrassing. Can you say, man? No matter what he does, we ain't coming out. We'll outlast him. And he knew we were there. The car is there. And what? What? And and and. The t- television is on, and the, screen do- the door is open, and he, he knows we're in there. You know what the Lord does when people come to church that don't know Christ? He knocks. He knocks. He knocks. He knocks. At some point in this service, the Lord is going to knock. We had a funeral here not too long ago, and I saw the Lord knocking on some people's doors to their hearts. No, not, I didn't catch a vision. I just saw them looking down. I saw them under conviction. I saw them not able to make eye contact with me when I talked about the need for a Savior and the need, all of our need for our sins to be forgiven. And I saw people just turn and look down. And I thought, they, they thought they were coming to church uh, to hear me say, oh, brother so-and-so, he loved fishing. Now he's in that big bass lake in the sky amen he's he's in that big bass boat that he always wanted with the big evan Rood. amen engine <laughs> amen <laughs> and he's catching bass lord have mercy you ought to see the size of the bass he don't even have to bait his hook he just throws it in and if he don't pull it in quick enough a bass is going to jump right in his boat oh what a great funeral you preached a great message today. I like what you had to say. But when you talk about sin and the need for a savior. Amen. If you don't have Jesus, then you look down at the floor. You don't how do how, why are they looking at the floor? Because he said, behold, I stand at the door, and I know that God is going to knock on the heart door, amen, when the gospel is preached. I know the devil's going to fight it, but I know God's going to honor it. And I know the Holy Spirit is going to convict, because when He comes, He shall convict. The world of sin. Can you say, man? Why? Because no one is going to receive a Savior or see the need for a Savior until we see that our sins have separated us from God and sealed us for judgment unless those sins are forgiven. When Jesus came into this world, all kinds of arguments. There's going to be arguments, 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 arguments. I've heard people argue. All my Christian life. Some people would rather argue scripture than they would to share the truth with someone who needs Jesus. Amen. Amen. They're God's personal critics. They sit in audiences and they sit in a high seat of judgment of those that God has called, anointed, and appointed to preach. They haven't been called. They haven't been anointed to preach. They haven't been appointed to preach. But they put themselves as a judge over those who have. And they argue over December. Instead of celebrating his birth and understanding the pr- point of it and purpose of it, they argue over it. I don't know if he was born in December. Probably not. Probably not. Does it really matter? Some people don't believe that Jesus is going to come before the tribulation. Some people believe that He's going to come in the middle of the tribulation. Some people believe He's going to come post-tribulation. They asked Billy Graham, who, if he got off into the arguments, wouldn't preach the gospel and see souls coming to Christ. Amen? Amen. He'd get over in these tangents. Tangents. Did you know if you're ready for His coming, it don't matter when He comes. The point is, He is coming. And number two, we need to be ready when He does come. Amen, so they asked Him, are you pre, mid, or post? He said, I'm pan. I'm, do you believe in the pre-millennial rapture? Do you believe in mid or post? He said, I'm pan. What does that mean? He said... Put your trust in Christ and it will all pan out in the end. Can you say amen? Amen. Is that okay with you? Can you swallow that? Can you get that down today? Can you have your perspective, allow somebody else to have theirs and celebrate the fact that He is coming back again and the message of Scripture is, Be ye also ready for at an hour you think not the Son of Man cometh. Can you say amen? Could have been December. Could have been. The argument is, couldn't have been. Because shepherds are not in the fields in December. It's winter. It's cold. They are not in the fields. Here's the deal. These were not ordinary shepherds. These were shepherds that were keeping sheep in proximity. Shouldn't use it this way, but close proximity to Bethlehem. And the only shepherds that were keeping sheep that close to Bethlehem were temple shepherds. Say it with me, temple shepherds. Who were temple shepherds? I'm glad that you asked. Why don't you ask? Who were temple shepherds? Ask again so I know you're paying attention. Temple shepherds were the shepherds that corralled and took charge of the lambs that were brought in just before to be sacrificed the next morning. They corralled them outside the temple so they would be available to take into the temple to sacrifice. So the angel made a choice of who to visit to announce the birth of a baby in Bethlehem. A Savior, a Savior, a Savior. Not a Joshua Savior. Like Joshua was a a mighty battle warrior to deliver them from their physical enemies. But a Savior from our sins. Listen to this carefully. God chose temple shepherds. And they would be there 12 months out of the year. So forget about the argument about December or any other month of the year. It's about the fact that these were temple shepherds keeping lambs that were going to be sacrificed. Can you say man, Hallelujah. God is a stickler for these kind of details. So He sends the Lamb of God. Mary, in God's point of view, she did have a physical child, but that child would be called what? When John the Baptist saw Him coming, what, what did God drop in His heart by revelation? Behold, and it shook them. It, anyone that heard Him, it took them back. Not just this anointed One, not this powerful One, not even, not even the, the, the Messiah, the anointed One. He didn't even talk about Messiah yet. There's something that, that is the foundation for all of that. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Everybody say the Lamb of God. Sacrificial lambs were being corralled to be taken and they were co- and it was the only, geographically, the only sheep that would have been on hills was the sacrificed lambs in proximity to Bethlehem to be taken up to the up to the temple because they didn't have to travel far to get to Bethlehem they went with haste and they they found the babe lying in a manger can you say man so in god's perspective and spiritually speaking mary had a little lamb the lamb was the principal sacrifice in the new in the old and the new testament over 32 times the the most referenced title of jesus in the book of revelation the most referenced title of jesus in the book of revelation is the lamb the lamb the lamb they worshiped the lamb can you say man john is being escorted through heaven you read the book of revelation and and you find he's being escorted by the angel and he's weeping because there's a book in the hand of Him that sits upon the throne. And it's a sealed book. And it's that book being unsealed and open that begins all of the rest of the book of Revelation. All of the bold judgments, the trumpet judgments, all of that begins with the opening of that book. And there was not one found in heaven... No one that's preceded us to heaven and no one living on earth that was found worthy to take the book from him that sits upon the throne and to open the seals thereof. You see, because when those seals were opened, the judgments to purify the earth for the people of God that would live here forever. By the way, if you think you're going to sit on a cloud and, and strum a harp for eternity, you're not going to do that. If you think you're going to live in heaven, you're not going to do that. Thank you for the hearty amens. You're not going to live in heaven. I'm not going to. Li- we're going to heaven, but we're not going to stay in heaven because heaven ain't going to stay wherever it is. You're not going to live in heaven, darling. Read the book of Revelation, and I John saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven as a bridegroom ador- a bride adorned for the groom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there shall be a new heaven and a new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness can you say man? God started it here. He's going to finish it here. God started with a man that would live forever. And he's going to finish it with men and women that are going to live forever. God is not going to concede that the devil wins this thing at all. Hallelujah. The victory that Jesus came to give is an absolute and complete victory. Amen. And this earth is going to be like it was before sin tainted it. And tarnished it, and so are we. Praise God! You're not going to live in the same body like it is now, and you're not going to live in some kind of plasma state, brother Venable. Will we know one another in heaven? I should hope so. Amen. Do you know me here? Amen. If I moved to Dallas and you flew to Dallas and I I met your flight, would I have to hold up a sign, or would you think you could recognize me in Dallas? You mean it's going to be the same me? Changing locations? You'll still know it's me? Amen? Amen? Well, it's this body. Not another one. It's this one. It's this one. But it's glorified. It's not the same. Praise God. Listen to me carefully. Hallelujah. God visits temple shepherds that are keeping lambs. And it could have been December. So just quit arguing. It could have been June. Just quit arguing. Focus in on temple shepherds and lambs. Behold the Lamb of God. John says there's no one worthy. And John is weeping because there's something so significant about the book in God's hand. The sealed book. He knew in order for God's plan and purposes to be fulfilled, that book had to be opened. Opened. And it had to be opened by someone that was representative of man who had fallen. It had to be a perfect man. It couldn't be an angel. And God wouldn't wouldn't open it Himself. Jesus had to take on flesh to redeem us. He had to take on flesh to redeem us. He had to live a perfect life. He that knew no sin never sinned, became sin. It didn't mean He sinned. It means He... This is the glory of it all. He that knew no sin became as if He had sinned. And not just His personal sin, but the sins of the world. All we like sheep have gone astray and God hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was born to die. That's why when the kings came, Brother Taylor... The first gifts of Christmas, amazing gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh was used in the preparing of the bi- body. It's according to their tradition, the, the, these, this ointment was used specifically in preparing the body for burial. So it would like be be going to a baby shower. And giving gold and giving these precious, precious spices. that that is wonderful. But in comes somebody with a prepaid funeral. And giving it to that young mother. And no wonder Mary pondered these things. It was a bitter, sweet experience. Because Jesus came to lay in a manger to grow into manhood and go to a cross. And die as the last lamb. The last lamb, the last sacrifice that God would ever accept for sin was His Son. And it was the perfect sacrifice. And that's why when He said it is finished on the cross, the veil of the temple, that linen veil was rent from top to bottom. Can you say, man, the old contract... Torn up and a new covenant was ushered in. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 I don't know about you, but I am extremely happy today right. that my sins have been forgiven. And not just forgiven. Amen. But is forgiven because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And because He would become the sacrifice Lamb. God came to shepherds and not kings. God came to shepherds and not any of the religious people of that day. God came to those and not just any shepherds keeping any sheep, but those particular, peculiar shepherds that were corralling the lambs that would be offered. And suddenly the angel appears to them. Do you believe it was significant that temple shepherds and sacrifice lambs And the birth of Jesus coincide. And that's why the angels chose them. And you know what he would love us to do? Not get all misty-eyed over this pure, innocent child. Because he didn't come to lay in a manger. In God's side and in our side, if we get the revelation through the word and the realization in our heart, Mary didn't just have a baby boy. Mary had a little sacrifice. Lamb, and that's why the Book of Revelation, all of that glory, all of that honor, that is going to him, it's all in reference to him as the Lamb. Not one was found worthy to to take the book of from him that sits upon the throne. A lot of Bible scholars, and I tend to agree with them. They Adam lost something, and when he lost it, we all lost it Amen. through one man's sin death came upon everybody on this planet one man see only a sinless man could get it back through his sacrifice angel couldn't do it and god wouldn't do it without a sinless man and there was not one sinless man found because why because all have sinned and come short of the glory of god You've got a beautiful thing on the Scriptures to Pictures about that particular Scripture. Come short of the glory of God. Oh, some people when they hear that in Scripture, they think, boy, I'm awful close though. Can I tell you what coming short means? In the best way I know in that Greek word and in the framework of Scripture, it's like an archer drawing back his bow, aiming the best he can aim at the bull's eye turning that arrow loose and not hitting the bullseye and not hitting the inner ring or the middle ring or the outer ring and not even hitting the board that the rings were drawn on. He misses it completely. you ever heard people say this? You may have said it in your heart or in your mouth. If anybody's going to heaven, she is or he is. Because they're such a good person. If goodness gets to heaven, Jesus died in vain. doesn't mean that that person isn't good, but they're not going to weigh perpetual balances. They're going to weigh the good with the bad. And if the good weighs out, you can go to heaven. If it don't weigh out, you can't go to heaven. You better hope it's not like that. Amen. Listen to me carefully. Without the grace of God... It's like the man that stood at the, the gates of heaven. He meets, of course, I don't know why Peter is the gatekeeper, but it seems to be. Can you say, man? He meets Peter at the gate of heaven. And, and he says, let me in. And, of course, if you got that perspective, Peter would say, well, what, what qualifications do you have to enter in through this gate? He said, well, listen. I was part of the Civitan Club, the Lion Club. I was involved, Lion's Club. I've been involved in all kinds of of social uh, things to help people. I gave to the Salvation Army every Christmas, and I did this and I did that. He said, that's good for ten points. He said, okay. He said, I saw a family down and out, and they were living out of their car. I took them and got them food to eat and put them in a motel for three weeks until they could get a place to stay. He said, that's real good. He said, that's good for five more points. Okay. Okay. And then he said, you know something? At work, I give to the United Way with the Western people I work with. And I have a brother-in-law. And he got sick and lost his job. And I carried him for one solid year till he could get back on his feet and find work. He said, that's really great. That's good for five more points. And the guy's now running out of things to tell him. And he said, Say, how many points does it take to get in here anyway? And Peter says, Oh, about a thousand. And the man says, Oh, man, in that case, the only way I could ever get in here is by the grace of God. And Peter said, Come on in. <laughs> Can you say "Man, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. God has called us to righteousness and holiness, but the only way you're going to get through that gate is the grace of God. Amen. Why? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have went astray, but God has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Can you say amen? Glory to God. That is not a license to sin. It ought to make us love Him with everything we are and serve Him with everything that we've got. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I'm not going to try to scare people into heaven, and I'm not going to try to... Get people to love a Jesus that they don't reverence enough and respect for His sacrifice. I'm preaching to those today that want to know more about the Lamb of God, that want to focus on Jesus and Him crucified. Hallelujah. That want to get to the place in your life that just the mention of His name makes you want to praise Him and causes your heart to melt. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 i got to get rid when I cast my care on Him. i got to cast the people on Him that have come to church and now don't want to come to church. That used to love God and now don't love Him anymore. That have backslid because the current has carried them back because they've lost the love that would cause them to press forward. And the Apostle Paul said, You quit pressing forward. You can't go nowhere but back. He said, forgetting those things that are behind. Some people living on testimonies that are old and moldy. Can you say, man, they're old and moldy. They need something fresh and new in their life. Forgetting those things that what? There are behind. Boy, I used to I used to serve God. I used to fast. I used to pray. That, they forget that. Forget that. It's not what you used to do, is what you're gonna do. Can you say, man, from here forward? Forgetting those things that are behind? And reaching forth to those things that are before. Everybody say upstream Christian. In a downstream world. I press. I press. Everybody say strain forward. That's the Greek word. I strain forward. Can you say man? If you're not putting forth an effort, you are backsliding. Some people are already backslidden. How do you know? Because the Bible's not important. Fellowship with the brethren's not important. Amen. Seeking to know Jesus better is not important. The job is important. The money's important. The material world is important. And they got the time and the energy for it they got the time and energy for it. They can miss church. Ain't no problem. But they ain't going to call in on Monday morning. They'll drag themselves in there. I owe. I owe. It's off to work I go. Can you say amen? And if you think you're going to have God's blessing when you put the job above His kingdom, His house, His fellowship, and you're going to make enough money, and God's going to bless you to... No, He's not kingdom isn't first. You know why the kingdom isn't first? Because the king isn't first. Jesus is no longer lord. He's somebody you run to when you're in trouble. There are people who will be back here when they get in hot water. But it's going to take some hot water to get them back. They're going to call you when they get in hot water. But they wouldn't be in hot water if they'd stay connected to Christ. Can you say amen and connected to one another? Listen to me carefully. People quit giving. They don't see the significance of giving to God anymore. Because our material, personal, temporal needs. Amen. Go beyond the spiritual investment in eternal things. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So people fall away. And that's what Paul was talking about. When he said... The things that come upon me daily. The care of all the churches. Before the first generation of Christians passed, people were backsliding. How do you know? Paul said they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they were of us, they wouldn't have went out from us. Everybody was looking to his own personal self-interest. No one had an interest in standing together, working together to further God's kingdom. Everybody was doing their own thing. And we've got a real issue in Pentecost and crazy-matic world. There are too many people that feel they are never called to help anybody else achieve anything. They are called to be in the limelight and in the spotlight. Consequently, you don't have many servant-hearted people. People get a little bit of revelation and operate a few gifts. They consider themselves above ministry and above pastors. In fact, they don't have a pastor. They don't listen to pastors. They sit and wait for their turn to show out. And they don't even call themselves just Christians like the rest of us. They give themselves titles that lift them higher. And so we got so many prophets... And so many prophetesses. And so many bishops. And so many apostles. Amen? Amen? High-ranking spiritual people. In the high echelons. And doctor. And the right reverend. And the most reverend. When I first got involved with all pro-pastors, they called me up and... I had put in that I was pastor of the Holy Church of God. They called me up to give testimony to about 60 pastors. And they listen to me now because I'm older than just about all of them. So they give me a little bit of credibility. When I tell them I've been in ministry for 43 years this January, 42 back then, 41 years, they look at me in awe. They're awestruck. Amen. When I tell them I've been married for 53 years, they look at me the same way. How did you survive it? How did you make it? Preaching a funeral one time and a young man came up to me and he was very sincere, very serious. And he said, how long have you been in ministry at that time? It was about 30 years. I said, I've been a pastor for 30 years. I said, when I I retire, I'm going to sit in my rocking chair and I'm going to write a book about all my experiences. Amen. He said, when you write it, I want a copy. Amen. (laughs) I want to know how God brings you through. I want to know how you personally apply God's Word. How God takes anyone and brings them through anything. Amen. If you just keep your trust in Him. Glory be to God. So they had a big screen up there. And they said, now uh, Robert Venable is coming. And I looked at the screen on the way up that they had, you know, one of these big screens. And it said, Pastor Robert Venable, Pastor of the Holy, the Most Holy Church of God. Yes, the Most Holy. Boy, I looked at that screen and I said, I just can't let that stay up there. I got to put in a disclaimer right now. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. I'm going to get the disclaimer out here before we say another word I said I am Pastor Robert Venable but I am not the pastor of the most holy church of God I'm the pastor of the holy church of God in fact, we're still struggling with that. <laughs> Can you say, man? And they all got it. <laughs> Can you say, man? They got it. They understood it because we're all struggling to be those. See, sanctification and holiness is almost the exact same. You could almost interchange them wherever they appear because sanctification means cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose. And the Lord God sanctify you. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy Spirit, soul, and body. That you might be H-O-L-Y. Holy. Can you say amen? In a great house there are many vessels. Somebody say, tell me about it. Oh, there's a lot of people naming the name of Christ. So it says, so let them that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, let them depart from iniquity. If you're going to bear his name, let them pursue righteousness. Let them pursue holiness. Let them depart from iniquity. Let them, amen, let them resist the devil. Let them let not sin reign in their bodies any longer because now we are the host of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Everybody say the host of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Say it again, the host of the Holy Ghost. Everybody wants the power, but we don't want the purity. Honey, with the power comes the purity. Because it's a holy one. Not just a force that's coming to live within you. But a holy one has come. Wow. Mary had a little lamb. In the book of Revelation, no man was found worthy in heaven or in earth. No man that's preceded us to heaven. That includes all of the the prophets and John the Baptist. And no man on the earth living. was found worthy to take the book. And it was crucial that a sinless man do it. Because by here's the spiritual law. By one man's disobedience. Sin entered in death by sin upon all. The first Adam. Through the first Adam. We all die. But Jesus was in type. Messiah, Lamb, yes, all. But He was the second Adam in the sense that He did what Adam was designed to do. He lived a sinless life so He could shed pure, sinless blood as a sacrifice. He had to take on flesh because a man... Without sin, because we can't cast the stone, first stone of judgment on sin unless we're free from all sin. And guess how many stones they drop. Boy, Doug did that good too. Scriptures to pictures. He found a big old rock, big as this whole area up here. Amen. And he has that scripture. So it wasn't a little stone. It was this great big old stone. Emphasizing the fact of how quick we are to judge and to pass. Not judge right from wrong. But to judge what ought to happen to people. And, and we, we have to be sinless. And you, when those seals are open. The wrath of God. Justifiable anger of God. The judgment is beginning to occur. Upon people. Upon the earth. Listen to me carefully. It had to be a sinless man. To take the book and break the seal, and none was found. And John knew something. If God's plan is going to culminate, that book has to be opened. This time of judgment has to occur for God's kingdom to come, for there to be all the rest of it is based on a worthy one representing us, one like us, except without sin, who could take the book. Scholars feel like what Adam lost in the garden was the title deed to this earth and in the hand of him that sat on the throne was a book when opened and all the seals were broken would give the title deed back to man hallelujah through the sacrifice of christ but a a search was made in heaven not one man sinless was found angel couldn't do it god wouldn't do it Through one man, his obedience, righteousness is restored. And it took a sinless man to be our sacrifice and a sinless man to take the book. And John is broken hearted. Nobody in heaven or earth is like that. And suddenly, the angel says, look again the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He hath prevailed. (laughs) Hallelujah. And He's worthy to do it for all fallen man. Hallelujah. To take the book from Him that sits upon the throne and to open the seals thereof. And when He had opened the first seal, here comes those judgments. The second seal, here they come. Third, fourth, and down the line. The earth is purified and prepared. And the heavenly new Jerusalem is not going to stay up there because the earth has now been purified and it's coming down here. I saw the heavenly Jerusalem, the holy city as a bride adorned for the wedding coming down out of heaven. Blessed and holy is He that keeps His commandments. That's not keeps the letter of the law. It means, what is His great commandment? Repent. Repent. Repent and be baptized. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Repent of your sins. Receive Christ as your Savior. Blessed are they that keep His commandments, that they might have the right to, in, to enter into the gates of that city and to eat of the tree of life. There was a tree in the garden. When He kicked them out of the garden, an angel was put there. Amen? They, he didn't just uproot the tree. He put an angel there to guard the tree. Can you say man? And and the angel had a sword, and you couldn't you couldn't sneak in the back door. Can you say amen? Because he kept turning every way. You couldn't come past that angel to get to the tree of life. Ah, but when you come to Jesus, you have full access to the river of life and the tree of life. Can you say amen Hallelujah. So John heard that message. He, his heart began to leap. He took hope. Amen. No one was found worthy but the lion of the tribe of Judah. He hath prevailed and he is worthy to take the book from him that sits upon the throne and to open the seals thereof. And John turned to see Aslan. He turned to see the great lion with his great power and his great mane. And you know what he saw? You know what he saw? He saw a lamb. He said, I turned to see and I saw a lamb as it had been slain. And that means because when they cut the throat of the lamb, the blood comes out of the throat and it wicks into the pure white wool. He looked for a lion, but he saw a blood-soaked lamb. Amen. Because it's his humbling himself and becoming that sacrificed lamb that allowed him to purchase our salvation. Mary didn't just have a beautiful, pure, little baby boy. Mary had a lamb. A sacrificed lamb. And temple shepherds had the revelation From the angels and the realization when they got there. This baby's not just cute. This baby's not just pretty. They were not feeling sentimental feelings. They knew a Savior has been born. And He will save by sacrifice. Can you say, man? He will save. This baby is destined just like that lamb. It had to be a spotless lamb that was set apart from all the rest. Because that lamb was for God as a sacrifice for sin. And here we are at Christmas as Christians watching many backslide. Many are going to be too involved in Christmas parties than Holy Communion. Would rather be at a Christmas party. Find the time, the money. But won't take the time. Or have a priority in their life. You know what's happened? You can tell them I said so. Because I can look anyone in the eye. They have backslidden. But they won't admit it. Because if they admit it. They'll know the need to repent. And they're not ready. They haven't got sick enough of sin. And they're going to get sucked into sin. The next thing you're going to hear. Some sin is going to surface. That conquered them. Some temptation is going to take them down. Why? Listen, if I stay out of church, I stay out of the Word of God, and I just go with the flow, the flow is going to take me away from Him. Amen? Television is going to pull me away. From, and Nothing on there is going to put me closer to Him. I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm saying balance your life. There's got to be some time for God. You've got to feed your spirit. You gotta see Jesus this season as a lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy see the lamb? Did you know what he really is? Why he came? From the day he was born, he was born to die as a sacrifice lamb. And thank God he's the last lamb. You will never hear that that priest would lay his hand on the head of the lamb the person who offered the lamb before they gave it to the priest would lay his head hand on the head of the lamb why would he do that because his sin was going to be judged in the sinless pure little animal listen when jesus went to calvary don't ever see him as a victim See him as a lamb, determined to offer himself for us. As a lamb, dumb before his... As a lamb, say it with me, as a lamb. Dumb before his shearers. He opened not his mouth. It's a good thing he didn't open his mouth. When Peter drew his sword, what did Jesus say? Put up your sword. If my kingdom were of this world... I would summon the armies of heaven. Can you say man? When they come and said, Are you He? He said, I am. I am. Hallelujah. Come on, you can get the tape. Brother Taylor said it well. I am. He was God incarnate. To wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. God in flesh. The Lamb of God. Through that sacrifice, we have complete and absolute victory. I want to encourage you to get rid of the sentimental uh, Hallmark movies. I like Hallmark movies. My mother in law thrived. She don't, her, her TV had one channel, the Hallmark channel. And if you come in, she would tell you, she, even if it was about some witch, and you say, that's a, Isn't that about a witch? You say, Yeah, but that's a good witch. <laughs> that witch hates the bad witch, and she's no, anything on Hallmark. Hallmark is design. When I see that guy, when I see that guy, I say, "My Lord, have mercy." He—he's the guy that she's going to go after because he's the most handsome man. Can you say, man? <laughs> he's the most handsome man. He's tall, standing like this guy. He's tall. Look at—he got on his shades. He's cool as ice. We turn the air conditioners off when he comes in. You can sit down now. I don't want you to get proud. Amen. You, you can you can almost tell. You can almost tell. You can tell. You know that man and that woman, before this movie is over, they're going to have problems, but they're going to get it together. It's going to snow on Christmas Day. Lord have mercy, it's going to be a pretty snow. Amen. It's going to be the perfect snow. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Oh, did you see the turkey? Did you see the turkey? It's perfect. Can you say man the turkey sitting on that table is perfect. You know what they do? They take a frozen turkey and they paint it brown. You know what they do on the cornflake box with all that pretty milk up among the cornflakes? They zoom in on it. They use paste like children use. To give you the illusion that you got that perfect bowl of cereal and the milk's just coming up through. It's all a facade. And that pretty Big Mac. I went into a Burger King. And they were running a sale on some kind of great big old burger. And they had a big thing up on the wall. Amen. Showing that big old hamburger. And I wanted that new hamburger they got. My wife went and sat down. And I walked up there and I said I want one of those. Cuz I didn't know the name of it yet. I said I want one of those. And the lady looked at me and said that's fine you want a so and so. And then I, I just had to say it. I said now it is that big, right? <laughs> she she looked back. She looked past me to my wife sitting way in the, way down there in the booth and she said, "Where did you get him?" <laughs> And then she said, because I usually, you know, I, I go somewhere, I put on cologne as part of the, you know, my aura as a minister. <laughs> she said, well, at least he smells good. Can you say "Man"? I thought, well, that's one point for me. What is the moral of that story? You can be crazy as you want as long as you wear a good cologne. Can you say "Man"? This Christmas, this Christmas, this Christmas when I see... That beautiful baby in that manger, I see a lamb, a lamb, and when Lamb of God was used because it was the sacrifice lamb, not just any lamb, but the one taken out, and you know how they would do before they took him for the temple shepherds to corral to be offered, they separated him from the rest of the sheep. The perfect, pure, flawless lamb. So, what they did, they got attached to him before taking him into sacrifice. And so, the Greek words and the setting of it all, where it says Lamb of God, it says little pet lamb. The one that they kept near them. Sometimes they would let it come right on in the house like you would a, a dog or a cat. And the children would love on it. And the whole family got attached to it. And then the day came. When the dad who represented the head of that household. Took that lamb. Corralled it with the temple shepherds. And there they were in the fields by night. Watching those lambs appointed. To die the next morning. And the angel said I'm coming to them. Because a little lamb. That is going to be sacrificed. Is born. In Bethlehem. And if the first love ever starts burning again. It will be because. You see Jesus. As the Lamb of God. Can you say amen? And if the first love doesn't burn again. You will be like so many. That were upstream Christians. In a downstream world. And they quit. Seeking. And serving God. So everything. Keeps them from him. And they justify it. And they flow away from God. And you might get a new car. You might get a nicer home. You might get a better watch. You might get a nicer hunting rifle. You might get a great boat. But if you fall away from God. You will never find peace or joy, or happiness in this fallen world. Can you say amen to that?